Well, I'm going to read our scripture first this morning. It comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. Uh, you can, there's Bibles in, in some of the, the chairs. You can look on the screens, and some of you use uh, different apps. You're welcome to do that as well. Isaiah 35, verses 1 through 10. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs, and the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked folks will, do, will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I'm like the king of awkward transitions, so here we go. Uh, one Christmas, I was given a gift card, and I was really excited because it was to an outdoorsy kind of store, and I was in the process of trying to get some camping gear and some hunting and fishing gear, and so I thought, well, perfect. Uh, I, I can do a lot with this. And so later, I, I went online. It didn't have the amount. Uh, the gift card was for written on it, so I went online to, to check, and there was nothing. There was nothing on it, and, and it was awkward, because what do you, do you say to the person who gave it to you, uh, hey, this doesn't work, so I just didn't say anything, and, and uh, nothing on the gift card. A good gift turned into one of those moments where the gift turned into disappointment. So as we're in this season of waiting called Advent, and we've been asking the question, what are we waiting for? Part of the answer is that we are waiting for the good gifts of God. God's gifts aren't a gift card that isn't valid, and they aren't disappointments, but they are so different than we often imagine them to be. Last Sunday, Pastor Tanner, he reminded us that the leaders of God's people had been, uh, that they'd been following, they were bad leaders. Uh, many of them were bad leaders. They abused the people, they, they turned the people into commodities who were only as good as what they could produce. They used worldly tools uh, of power, and they got the corresponding results. The tools you use produce the fruits, and they were using these worldly destructive tools, and so it produced ongoing destruction and oppression. Continually using the tools of the world results in disaster and the perpetuation of greed, abuse, injustice, and so much more. And yet, we and, and they so often want what we think are good gifts, but they end up empty like my gift card. 
lots of promise, but the results are disastrous and lead us to places of barrenness and captivity. And an example of this in the, the scriptures is the story of Israel wanting a king. They saw that the surrounding nations, they just looked around and saw all the nations around them had kings, and so they thought, oh, well, that must be why they have these armies to give them protection. And that must be why they have all of this money. And that must be why, why think they, they have so much power. So Israel said, we want that. We want a king, because then we'll have safety. Then we'll have money. Then we'll have power. And, and we want the war machine to protect us. We want the shiny armor and the, the shiny money. We want it all. And God tells them that, that these promises that they think a king offers them are actually the opposite, the opposite of that. Uh, God told them that these promises would actually be detrimental to them. Their sons would be conscripted to fight in the king's army. The women would become servants and valued only for, for their looks and childbearing. The pursuit of power, safety, and wealth ended up leading Israel into destruction, servitude to foreign powers, and surrounded by enemies. They got the fruit of what they longed for, but the fruit ended up being rotten. In the scripture we, we read just a few moments ago from Isaiah, we hear from Isaiah that despite the people's pursuit of the wrong things, despite the bad leaders that they'd endured, and the captivity that they were under, hope remained. They were in the proverbial desert, where life seemed hopeless unless you could get to the other side. But Isaiah reminds them that God will do something in the desert. Our scripture today is about transformation. The desert is transformed into a lush land full of life. The infirm are restored to health. The mute are given voice. Those with weak legs and feeble knees will be upright, and not just upright, but they will leap. It's as if Isaiah is telling us that there is so much wrong in the world but it is going to be transformed and all will be well. Sounds a little bit like heaven, doesn't it? Everything is right, life abounds, enemies are no more, and sickness is gone. It sounds wonderful, and perhaps more than we dare hope for. But what about now? I mean, that, that sounds great as future promise, but what about now? What about the deserts that we find ourselves in these days? And I'm sure peop the people Isaiah were, was writing to wondered the same thing. Okay, great. One day, one day it'll all burst forth with life and, and the lame will walk and the mute will speak and the deaf will hear, but what does that do for me now? <laughs> what is, how does that help me today? They, they've been taken captive by their powerful enemies and it seemed as if God had been defeated. Pastor Tanner talked about that last week. Uh, if you've been taken captive by the, the enemy, then is their God more powerful than yours? And, and so they're asking these questions. And, and they, it seemed as if God had been defeated. Their leaders were serving themselves rather than serving God and serving the people. The powerful ran over the weak. And to stick with the, the metaphor of the desert, they were in the desert and life there seemed impossible. They were waiting for something to change. And these past couple weeks, we've been asking that question, what are we waiting for? This is the season of Advent where we wait, but what are we waiting for? 
Well, in the season of waiting, we're waiting for all of creation to be transformed and made new. We're waiting for God to come and make everything new. In Revelation, it says, Behold, I'm making all things new. That is a promise of God that he will renew and restore and redeem all of creation. We're waiting for that. We're waiting for God to set things right. Or in the language of Isaiah, we're waiting for the desert and the parched land to be glad, for the wilderness to rejoice and blossom. We're waiting for the desolate places to spring forth with life. You you don't have to answer this out loud, but do any of you uh, watch nature shows? National Geographic, Nature, Planet Earth, those types of shows. And and I think every single time they do a, a series... They, they have an episode about the desert. And the narrator will say, uh, I don't know, something like, um, uh, look around, and there seems to be no life here in the desert. But wait, the desolate landscape. In the desolate landscape, we find a, a way, some find a way not only to survive, but to thrive. And then eventually they, they talk about the rains coming. And when the rain comes, all of a sudden, the desert is transformed, and there are flowers and grasses, and, and they show the animals, and the animals just seem so happy. So like, water, food, yay! Life just springs forth in the desert, a place where it seems like nothing can be or should be, and under the right conditions, transformed into something new and bursting forth with life. The, the desert Teeming with life, it's miraculous and beautiful and a reminder that even when there seems to only be desolation, life can spring up in the desert. And so we, we wait. We're waiting. And, and sometimes waiting is called the meantime. Where, you know, someone will say to you, well, in the meantime, what does that mean? It's in between. The, the mean is like the middle. The in-between times. So in the meantime... The desert time, we wait. And in the waiting and desert time, we're faced with the question, is the darkness that we see in the desert, is it tomb or is it womb? If the darkness of waiting is void of life and possibility, if the desert is void of life and all possibility, then it is tomb. And all is lost. However... Uh, You came for good news today, right? (laughs) However, I I think what Isaiah is telling us is that the desert, those times of great difficulty, can actually be the darkness of the womb where something new will come to bear. There's a Nazarene preacher I I like to listen to. He's a way better preacher than me, uh, which is why I like to listen to him. And he, uh, his name's Scott Daniels, and, and he talks about all the time that the Israelites uh, leaving Egypt and entering into the desert where they wander for 40 years. And he says, you know, the 40 years of wandering wasn't so God could get them out of Egypt. It was so God could get Egypt out of them because they had been formed in in bad ways. And and so uh, what he means is, is that we can enter the desert all messed up. We can enter into the desert all messed up, formed by idolatry, formed by wrong desires and loving the wrong things, but something can happen in those difficult, dry times of desert wandering. 
the darkness that felt like the darkness of the tomb can actually become the darkness of the womb. Transformation in the womb isn't without difficulties or pains. Ask any mother. Uh, There's some difficulties in that. But there is life that springs forth out of it. In the tomb, there's death, but in the womb, it is pregnant with possibility. In a way that only God can, he turns the darkness of the tomb into the darkness of womb. Jesus' resurrection from the dead transforms a place of death into life. While Isaiah probably didn't have the resurrection in mind when he wrote the passage we read today, there's still this same truth, that God can take places of death, places of destitution, places that just seem so dry and, and without possibility, and transform them into places full of life, full of possibility, uh, new birth rising up out of it. And, and God transforms these deathly places and spaces into spaces of life and, and places of formation that, that are full of abundance and, and this possibility. Um, i got to slow down a little bit, yeah? I just, I just get excited and nervous. <laughs> but, uh, uh, the, the desert places, we, I want to be careful to just say that we, we don't love the desert times in life, but they come. And, and I'm not sure that God is the one who always causes them, but I am convinced that when we're in those difficult times of life, those dry places where it seems like nothing good can happen, that God can transform those that God can use those and, and turn things uh, for, for good. Um, I, I'm getting off script here, but I, I've been, uh, we're, we're finished right now, but we were doing a, a grief share class. And, and several of the, the people in my, my class, they said, you know, I still miss my loved one. I would much rather have them here with me. But here's what I've been discovering, that in these difficult times, God has still loved me so much, and God has turned these the most difficult days of my life, and he's given me opportunity to, to minister to people that I wouldn't have been able to uh, had this not happened. And again, it's not that, that God has to, to cause these bad things in order to minister, but God can transform them and use them. And they said, and you know what else I found? that God has been ministering to me and, and transforming me even. And, and so we don't long for these. We don't even, we're not even necessarily glad for these times, but God can work miracles where it seems like everything is terrible, no good, rotten. <laughs> There's a book about that. Um, so I, I've also, I just finished school again. And uh, I, I've, I was in a class on, on spiritual discernment and one of the things I learned was that the difficult seasons of life, what we're calling this morning the desert seasons, they're not comfortable. They are not comfortable, but often those are the places where we hear from God the most, probably because that's where we're crying out the most, where we're seeking the most. And also, those are the places where God invites us to get creative, to have a new imagination, to, to think differently, uh, to, I, I'm told Pastor Tanner, I think I'm going to be the pastor of curiosity, because last time I preached, that's what I talked about, and here we are again. Even curiosity, what is God doing? Who is God? Who am I? Uh, and in these times, we get to be transformed and, and renewed, and, and the possibilities are, are endless. 
It is there that God often forms us most in his way. So as we wait for Jesus' return, when he will redeem and restore all things back under the lordship of Jesus Christ, what if we began to see the waiting not as some terrible thing, but full of possibility? When we're confronted by change and hard times, it's there that we can imagine and wonder and express curiosity about what God is up to. And it might not look like we think it should. In fact, just be ready. It will not look like you think it should. Because God is way better and way bigger than we are and even imagine him to be. And, and so I thought we were going to read a different gospel passage today. Uh, but we didn't, so I was going to say in our gospel passage today, uh, but let me say uh, in a different gospel passage that we didn't read today, uh, that was an option, uh, John the Baptist is in prison, and he, he has a few of his disciples, and he sends them to Jesus, and he tells them, ask him, are you the, the Messiah we've been waiting for, or should we wait for another? And Jesus responds, go back and tell him what you hear and what you see. And I just want to point out that Isaiah said that the deaf will hear, the mute will, will be given, given uh, voice, and, and the blind will see. But Jesus says, go back and tell him what you hear and what you see. And I'm just going to paraphrase. Actually, I think I have it here. I uh, might be prepared. I don't know. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. So in response to the question, are you the Messiah, or, or should we wait for another? Jesus says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Jesus has been bringing restoration and life all along the way. And do you think that those people, the, the blind, the, the deaf, the mute, the poor, were living in a desert time of life? Probably. And what's Jesus say? Go back and report what you hear. Life. Life springs up where there didn't seem to be life. Possibility springs up where there didn't seem to be possibility. Jesus is making things new. He's bringing life. He's restoring. There's redemption. Good news. All along the way, this is what Jesus has been doing. And these are the signs that God is up to something. That God is bringing life in the desert. And so, that means change, right? Ooh, change. We don't like change. But rather than getting upset or digging our heels in when God does something new and different than we imagined as God is transforming things, rather than digging in and getting upset, what if we heard this as an invitation from Jesus by way of Isaiah to participate in the new creation now? What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the fullness, but we don't have to wait for new creation to break in among us because God's already doing it. The new creation is coming and breaking in now. And so that takes a level, for us to participate in that, it takes a level of creativity, imagination, and curiosity. And I, I don't know about you, but when I am imagining things, when, when I'm, a, I'm not a very creative person, but when I just have that little spark of creativity or, or, or curiosity, like, I find myself joyful, expecting, like, wondering what, what could God do with this? Uh, 
And all of that joy springs forth. Never are we more joyful than when we are seeking God and on mission with God. Uh, Isaiah, he, in, t- in talking about joy, he, he says, They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. That sounds good to me. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Joy. Joy as we participate with God and turning the desert into a place of abundance and life. And so how, how, all right? I don't know. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but I'm not always sure. But I, I do think that we can spread the life-giving water of Jesus in the desert so that life can flourish now. Uh, I probably shouldn't leave my notes too much, but uh, if, if any of you are, are like part of PETA or whatever, plug your ears. But I was in the deer stand last night, and uh, of course, no deer. And so I'm like, what do you, I'm a new hunter, so like, what do you do when you're sitting in a deer stand for hours, freezing to death, and, and nothing's happening? I, was like, I guess you pray, right? And my prayer was, God, for this church, would you just Help us to drink of the living waters that you provide. And then I thought, I better pray that for me too. God, would you help me to drink in the the living waters that you provide so that we can share, so that we can share. And, And people who are in the desert of life, we can offer them a cup of water, sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively, but say, come, come and, come and have a taste. Come and be filled by the goodness of God, the very joy of God, and find that even when life, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this from the pulpit, stinks, God can cause new life to rise up. Come and be filled. And we get to also do this by pointing to Jesus as, the, as we travel on the way. I don't know if you, you caught that language in, in this passage from Isaiah, but, but it Isaiah says, and there will be a way of holiness. Some translations say a highway of holiness through the desert. And so God will provide a way, but not just a way, but a way of holiness through through the desert. And what does Jesus say in his ministry all along the way? Come follow me. Come follow me. Jesus is saying, "I, I am the highway of holiness. I am the way of holiness. Come and know me. Follow me. Holiness we, liked, we Nazarenes like to give it this big, long definition. Do you know what it is? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Relationship. So Jesus is saying, come on the way of holiness and know me. And you know what? Bring your neighbors too. Bring your neighbors too. Love them well too. So on, the, on this highway of holiness, as Jesus was making all things new, he says, come on. Come with me through, through the desert and let's transform. Let's transform it into life and follow me. So Jesus is walking the highway of holiness and inviting us to come follow him. And as we go, life abounds, water for the thirsty, food for the hungry, even nature itself, just like those nature programs where the animals are so happy after the rains come, nature itself joins in the transformation as deserts teem with life. So as we live in the meantime those desert times, what will awaken the new creation in us and through us? 
Perhaps, maybe even most of all, it will be hearing God's voice calling or singing or whispering that will bring to birth the new life this vision from Isaiah portrays. In the desert, what brings the most life? Hearing from God. And that takes persistence. So keep asking, keep trusting that the promises of God are not an empty gift card, but they are real and abundant and for us and for us to share. And so my hope for us as we're waiting is that we will trust in God's promise to make all things new. And if we can trust that it, that, that is true, then we have a sense of freedom as we follow Jesus on the way of holiness. Freedom to live a life of holiness marked by relationship with God and others, marked by transformation that leads to ongoing wonder and curiosity. Uh, just kind of where are we in the life of the church? We, we've been in a season of, of meantime or, or, or desert for a little while now. We merged. We merged together as a church. And that comes with questions, right? Well, what are we going to do next? Uh, when, when are we going to restart this? Or when are we going to do that again? And, and I just want to ask you, in this meantime where we just don't have everything figured out, to be curious, to be full of wonder, to imagine not what was, but what can be different and new. And not just different for the sake of different, but different to bring life in the desert. And so what if we entered the desert following Jesus on the way and our aim was to just reimagine church not as we like it or even want it to be, but reimagine church that is life-giving for us for sure, but also for our neighbors and our food pantry neighbors and our daycare neighbors and, and I don't know, Fox's Pizza neighbors and neighbor, neighbor, all your neighbors, but all, all of our neighbors. What if we said, you know, I love church, but let's rethink this. What does God want to do? And not, not us, but what does God want to do so that we can bring life through Jesus Christ? Don't fire me today, please, but <laughs> uh, as we're doing this, like, what kind of joy might spring up among us? There is joy as we follow Jesus on the way. And how might Battle Creek burst forth with life and restoration? Folks, the darkness is all around us, but we can enter it with God and trust that God will turn the darkness of the tomb into the pregnant possibilities of the womb. New life and new creation are promises of God, so let us walk in the joy of King Jesus, turning dark and dry places into places of resurrection life. Amen? I, I don't preach much, so I, I just have to do this. If I've spoken the truth today, would you say amen?